This is the Angry Birds Bird Minute, sponsored by Angry Birds for their 15th anniversary, where we tell you all about a cool bird that may or may not be angry. This week's bird is the bearded vulture, otherwise known as the ossifrage or bone breaker. Every single time I learn something new about bearded vultures, I have to look up a source for it because literally everything about them is insane. This bird is huge, seven to nine foot wingspan, and it gets its name from bristles under its chin, which resemble a beard. This is where the unbelievable parts start. 85 to 90% of their diet is bones. They can swallow many bones whole, and their bite is strong enough to crack a lamb's femur. Beyond that, they will drop bones from great heights to get to the marrow. In their mating ritual, bearded vultures will literally fall in love, locking talons with potential mates and diving dramatically through the sky before separating and rising into the air to begin again. But are they angry? They have a bone to pick with a wide variety of prey, and have been documented dropping turtles, hyraxes, and even two-foot monitor lizards from the air. Sometimes they will even go beyond animals they can lift directly, using their wings to beat goats and antelopes off of cliffs. On a scale of one to angry, the bearded vulture is mad to the bone. This is Wild Green Streams. I'm Rhett. I'm Curtis. I'm Io. And with us today is documentary filmmaker Jennifer Brown. Jennifer, for people who haven't seen your work, how would you describe it? Yeah, I would say I would describe it as a handcrafted nature films, films that show people as part of nature and try to present new ways to look at nature. And a lot of our films are about imperiled species or imperiled ecosystems. And so we often tend to represent the underdogs. And then once we got a reputation for that, you know, from a little beach mouse to federally endangered Florida grasshopper sparrow, then that just begets more projects. So if it's a small and misunderstood, you know, usually into nature films is all over that. All of our stories share, you know, some kind of human relationships. We're not just going to have a natural history focus on the incredible animal behaviors and the spectacle. It's going to be in the context of the culture, the the history, the human history, the current human community that relates to that species or that place. So we try to uh, create more, you know, multidimensional films to get people to appreciate, you know, whether it's the Everglades or the film that prompted our discussion here, Gentle Giant, about the Gulf Sturgeon. I mean, you know, people who have spent their whole lives in Florida and are multi-generation in Florida have still never heard of the Gulf Sturgeon. The big system, the Gulf Sturgeon migrates between the Gulf of Mexico and all these rivers. I grew up on the Suwannee River, so I actually have been really familiar with them for my whole life. We would see them around the edges of our experience there. Like we would go kayaking on the river and then one would come up and take a big breath of air next to us because that's a thing that this fish does sometimes. It's a massive animal. It's like six feet long, but they jump out of the river. And so we would go to certain places where we knew they were jumping and just watch them. So growing up in that area, you might be familiar. There's all kind of false stories about this fish, about why it does what it does. I mean, even today, I mean, biologists, you know, worked really hard to sort out what the heck this fish is up to, because it's, as you know, it's mostly at the bottom of the river. It's a dark tea colored river. You only see them when they jump. And then they go out to the Gulf in the winter and feed 
so people don't see them and so it's kind of it's very it's a very mythological creature i mean i don't know i encountered multiple people you know it's fine if they don't understand like the recent science with why they jump but there's all kind of story and so you did ask for a story earlier so do you want to hear a gulf sturgeon local story i would oh love yeah hit us hear. we'd love it absolutely <laughs> so i met a family it was at a restaurant along the swanee river and they were just moving to the area and looking for a, a home and so they were in the short term staying at this rv area and actually they were from miami and when they checked into the rv area the person in charge so person of that local community said whatever you do don't go swimming with your kids because there's this huge fish out there and it will suck you down you know it, it's like it's like a vacuum and it will suck you down to the bottom so you know don't ever ever go swimming and where that comes from i mean there's kind of some truth to the it is a, like a vacuum cleaner but it's not vacuuming up children you know <laughs> it's, it's vacuuming little shrimps and little worms and I mean, it doesn't feed all summer so if you're swimming if you're swimming in the river it's not even eating it does not care about you it cares about conserving energy and that's part of the gentle giant title because often this animal is depicted you know like a monster it's like they jump and they there's collisions with uh, people which can injure people or has even unfortunately been some tragic loss of life has happened because if you're driving really fast in your boat and this 300 pounds behemoth jumps which is just to get air to refill its swim bladder that's not going to be pretty yeah so like, the gentle giant counters you know it's not the chasing monsters you know kind of there has been a depiction that was my first reference when i started the project and this is this is nothing of that sort and so it's from the very get-go we're sharing with people you know, this is not a monster. It's not going to suck you down. And let's just get this straight. This is a, a gentle giant. It's an ancient creature and it's imperiled and it's got quite the story. That's awesome. So how did you decide on this, the Sturgeon Project in particular, but any of the other ones, you know, talking about how the small, unheard of, underappreciated animals, which I love that. I really like insects. I think they're super cool. And I didn't for a long time until I took a class in college. And I was like, whoa, these guys are amazing. And insects get a, a bad rap in a lot of places. But I'm like, no, guys, please. So I just, I, whatever, my friends and family have heard me go on ad nauseum about, no, they're really cool. Io's nickname is number one bug fan. There you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you can tell by my name. Any of these projects, was there just sort of like oh the circumstance has lined up where you were in the right place at the right time or were you like this is a project that I have wanted to create for my whole life and I am going to make this happen and then you were like okay sturgeon is the thing I would say that I do have a project where I've pursued but most of the time since I need to earn a living it's folks contacting me mm -hmm. and so I guess the I would say a little backstory. I do, I have done a, a few insect films because I'm here, we're at the beginning of the Everglades drainage, but we're also along the Lake Wales Ridge. And that is 
what's left of it from orange groves has a ton of really cool insects, you know, that burrow in the sand and uh, mm -hmm. with all the different endemic plants that are only found on this ridge. So actually one of my most popular videos, maybe something, I was working on a tortoise film here um, along the ridge, a gopher tortoise about a really old tortoise. They've, it's over 65 years old. And wow. it's, it, the film is called Queen of Red Hill. Oh, yeah, I've seen, I've definitely seen posts about that. You've seen the film, Curtis, because a couple years ago, before Wild Green Memes was a huge thing, I made some film festivals as fundraisers for a local nonprofit called Ashton Biological Preserve, which we actually still give some grants to through our nonprofit now. But at the time, we did these little mini film festivals and I would go looking on YouTube for nature documentaries and just send emails to whoever made them. So I forgot that it was you, but I must have emailed you back in the day and because we, we someone mailed us a thumb drive with this film and we showed it. I'm so glad I dropped the Queen of Red Hill. It was me. Yeah. You, yes, <laughs> Look that's at that. crazy. You contacted me. I think you showed it at a brewery in Gainesville. Yeah, 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 yeah we did. We did. Well. <laughs> so that's you know, wild. You know, you know the story, man. So that I was out there waiting for, it wasn't the queen, it was a different tortoise. You got to be real patient waiting for these guys because they. it's not like at a certain time, even the same individual, each day will be a different time if they come out. And I noticed in a palmetto frond, you know, that's the other beauty thing about going into nature is, you know, if you're quiet and you're, you become more observant and it's incredible what you can see, you know, the, the what's happening all around you. And I found a a little jumping spider curled up and it's a, a little web home of a palmetto frond. So I put my camera on it and this whole drama <laughs> took place after it slowly came out and it's this orange and green color. So anyway, I captured this whole little behavior of it coming out of its little silky home and doing a little kind of dance with its front little paws. And then it's it moved around to go hunt some bugs and then it returned back to its little burrow then actually had a little hatch on its burrow <laughs> kind of mm. shut its little door interesting yeah we called it the jumping spider spectacular and that <laughs> thing i swear that is the most popular no matter how much money or how far i've come <laughs> in my <laughs> career that's that's what people that's what people want to watch so yeah. i guess the connect back is the reason i got the gold sturgeon film well and i guess i would have to go back to films to when I left the Everglades and I came up here to my or little live in the, the piney woods here by the Lake Wells Ridge by the Everglades and just an hour away from me is the Florida grasshopper sparrow and so before I'd really set up my company I got a job at Kissimmee Prairie in mm -hmm. the Kissimmee Prairie Preserve State Park as a technician just to survey and I also offered you know I said hey I've got these other skills so what happened with that is I just discovered a you know much bigger story for what's going on with recovering that and that project is called Little Brown Bird and it's uh, 10 years in the works I've been documenting all the efforts for biologists to recover the species who got very close to extinction in 2017 and now with captive breeding and it's an amazing story going into the prairie, into the dry prairie. So it's a 12 episode web series. So I've been working on that. So through that was I met Sandra Sneckenberger, which is a great name. And she's a lovely uh, biologist and she's with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And she worked on beach mice. 
Mm. So she, she told the beach mouse recovery coordinator about Jennifer Brown. And uh, so she contacted me and paid me through the Escambia County, which is where Perdido Key is. Mm -hmm. And then after that film was done, and that was kind of my breakthrough film, I'd say that what got into some film festivals and got some attention and I had a larger budget than usual. And then Christy Yanches, who's the Beach Mouse recovery gal, who's super, she did so good in the film representing the mouse that she um, then uh, the Gulf sturgeon biologist, they're in the same office in North Florida. And he saw what she had for her species and said, I want that for the Gulf sturgeon. I so love that. Adam Kaiser. So that, that's how that rolled out. <laughs> that's oh, so that's cool. great. It just goes to show who you know and going to school in Gainesville being from Florida. I remember a lot of effort that went into the grasshopper sparrow's recovery. And so it, at one point I was like, you know, all of the statistics about this bird, there being so few in number. And I'm like, I know like 10 people working to save this bird right now. Like probably as many <laughs> people working to save the birds as there are birds left. So it's like another way that the the worlds have collided. So that's so cool. And I love that you were saying that the sturgeon biologist was like, oh, I want one of those movies for my species. Like they need to get some love. And they just hired you on. Like that's the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's such a compliment when folks that aren't fish people watch Gentle Giant and say, you know, they really enjoyed it. And, you know, they don't really like films like that. And it's all, you know, just super passionate uh, fish biologists who are absolutely dedicated to this animal. And, you know, thinking about using humor to represent species. I mean, I thought about that a bit. And, and really, the, these characters brought a lot of humor to that story. You know, at the beginning of the film, one of the biologists is catching a juvenile gulf sturgeon and him and his um, work partner with it from the USGS are singing a little song. You know, they work together for so long and they've got to we caught ourselves a baby sturgeon. <laughs> not, not too big. <laughs> and they're I, 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 that, that cracked me up when I was watching the video. You <laughs> they seem like they're having so much fun. I've let's uh, let's include a sound bite of that right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, please put it over my awful, awful voice. <laughs> and we'll put it, we'll do a side by side comparison. <laughs> 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 can, can you sing better than a fish biologist? <laughs> That's the new karaoke. We got ourselves a baby sturgeon. Not that small. It's a baby. A baby. The next Ugh. film festival, there will also be karaoke to all the little songs that field biologists come up with. Only fish biologists. We need to get even Only more. Only fish niche. biologists. The songs yeah. have to all be about fish. Yeah. yeah. So you could, you, I mean, it could be any biologist, but it does have to be a song about fish. So like you could study trees, but like your song does have to be about fish. You could study bees, but your song does have to be about fish. It's like, you know. Can I be like a really done. pedantic person who points out that all vertebrates are basically fish? So it could yes. be about even yeah. land animals. Invertebrates yes. are yes. not even on thin ice. They're just not allowed. They're just in the water. They're not on the ice anymore. The ice is broken. This will be the second episode where I mention there's one species of insect that lives in Antarctica. <laughs> speaking of, well, it's not really speaking of Antarctica, but it's what brought this question to mind. Do you have a shot that's that's like technically impossible, but you would really like to get? Something that I just learned the other day is that under enormous pressures, a lot of materials become invisible. 
So like in the center of the earth, a lot of that material down there is actually transparent. We'll never get to see it, but under like those incredible pressures, it'd be such a weird thing to film is you just go down and then stuff becomes clear. It should be totally different than that. But do you have anything that's like literally we know it's out there, but you can't actually access it? Mm. Well, I mean, that's a lot of nature. I mean, there's so much there's so much complexity. You know, nature is not just more complex than we think. It's more complex than we can think. So, you know, if you make films like we do or we're trying to show processes, you know, and interrelationships, I mean, there's there's a ton of things, you know, for I would say, you know, when a hurricane comes through, you know, in the Beach Mouse film, that's a big question. I mean, the they get that's a regular disturbance. Hurricane comes through. They live on the primary dunes, and the supposedly the beach mice just get washed away. But the biologist said there's a little air pocket under there. So you know that's just oh, one example. Also, the Gulf sturgeon yeah. does not do well in hurricane. You know, when hurricanes come through, and if it the one that just went through the Idalia went through right, you know, Swanee River, Old Town. Actually, mm -hmm. there's a, if you remember in the film, that Odalan Islands, which is connected to the historic fishery, that got totally washed out. But yeah, so what's happened, you know, during a hurricane in these systems, you know, the Gulf sturgeon takes a, a big mortality hit. So what's happening during a hurricane? I think I remember I used one example a, a while ago about, you know, one of the prettiest things I saw on that dry prairie waiting for is a burned prairie. And I was filming some deer and I looked up and I saw spider ballooning <laughs> above. Oh, yeah. That's and neat. I mean, there's, there's no way. I mean, there's. You can know, can you explain things. spider ballooning to people who don't know what it is? I know what it is. Well, maybe maybe Io, our, our entomologist here. <laughs> you, know, you know, the funny part is that when you said, I know what it is, it made you sound less like you knew what it was. Oh, correct? I know. Yeah. That, was, that was the intention. <laughs> yeah, it was like, uh, for other people, I definitely know what it is. But for other people who might not yeah, know. Yeah, they use, they use some sort of static electricity or something to put their webs out and just float through the air. That's the extent of my knowledge. It is static electricity. The web is charged one way and the air is charged the other way. And if they let enough of the web out, it'll uh, it'll start lifting them up into the air is the basic principle. I, I happened to see this also. I was in Illinois. I was just in this like little park and the, around a lake and there was a railing and I was like, oh, there's a bunch of little spiders on the railing. That's cool. And I was like, they're all like sticking their butts up in the air. Like, that's weird. What are they doing? And so I like looked closer and then you could just when the light hit it just right, you could see the silk spooling out from their abdomen. And then remember, eventually they would just. And remember when that away. happened in Charlotte's Web? Oh. You had to say goodbye to all of them after losing Charlotte. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. So Jennifer, what shot would you get of spiders ballooning if you had the world's most impossible camera? You know, can I say I would not pick spider because I don't know much. I would like to refocus this impossible <laughs> shot <laughs> sure, sure, sure. on bats because as a before Ooh. I went to film school, I did a lot of bat field work. That would be my dream other than the Florida Grasshopper Sparrow Little Brown Bird Project is to work on a, a bat project one day. So gosh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing when they're nocturnal, when you take away light, of course, there's technology mm -hmm. where you can see their thermal, their bodies moving around. But, you know, you know, maybe I don't I have never thought about what's impossible. But, you know, the way that they, you know, use sound and then hone in on their prey, you know, whether it's a, a little frog or a, a lizard, 
you know, it's they're pretty amazing acrobatic. So I don't know. I think it would just this kind of unknown um, nocturnal world of bats. If that would be my dream is to get insight into that and to, to show the public something new about what these guys are really up to. I would love to watch that film. If it ever becomes a reality, you will have at least one viewer and it will be me. And is there any bat in particular that you would like to work with? There are a bunch of, I know lots of people, seen lots of talks by people who've studied some bats in Florida that are imperiled and are endangered and things like that. But is there a particular species that you're like, this is the one that I want to uncover all the mysteries of, or you'd just be happy to do any of them? Well, a lot of my background when I was doing field work was with fruit bats and nectar bats. And, you know, over and I got to go over to Papua New Guinea and we got to outside of Madang in the North part, which if you're a tourist on our plane going up there, the visitors there, it was either you're a missionary or you're a diver. (laughs) And Mm. I was with the research crew. So up there they have these tube nosed fruit bats and they're just incredible large eyes so they're very visual kind of like the flying foxes mm-hmm. and they're covered in uh, spots like green and yellow and they've got these tubular nostrils and when i remember years ago when i worked on this no one really knew what the heck those tubes were for and the the locals had different names for them like ghost man because i mean they super blend into the foliage there so these guys are cruising around, they're eating figs, you know, they've got really strong teeth. They're just, the nectar one has got a long snout and then the fruit bat has a shorter snout. And that was the research that I was a technician for was we go capture these guys and then we put them in a, a little plexiglass container and do experiments. And it sounds manipulative, <laughs> but it was <laughs> temporary. And these guys are were not in peril. But this was my job was I would present to them different size, different types of fruit, different hardness and different size. And I would use a video camera. And if we, you know, this is kind of a full circle to where this conversation, the theme of the conversation, this is really where I, I kind of knew I wanted to go into to be a filmmaker was as a biologist you know, with access to these video cameras, which we were filming these super cool bats and then releasing them the next day. And of course, they had a full belly with the papaya and the mm-hmm. apple <laughs> that we gave them. But yeah, I got to run around during the day with the video camera. So I'll always be grateful that, you know, it's funny how life works out that, you know, I took this job that would have had that, you know, behavioral video aspect. And I mean, who knows if I didn't take that? I don't I don't know if we would be having this conversation. What an incredible experience. Yeah, because maybe you would have eventually found yourself into filmmaking anyway, but you would have taken a different path. So you might not have made the films that you have. And so it's crazy to think about how circumstances can just how they worked out. Yep, it sure is. Every little thing, whether we're aware of it or not, influences our path. Every little thing. Uh I don't know if we have the music license for that. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So Jennifer, do you have anything you want to plug? So Little Brown Bird is it's in the final stages of post-production and we're looking for uh, funding to complete post-production and a a platform for it. And it's about unraveling the mysterious decline of the Florida grasshopper sparrow, the most endangered bird still, I believe, in the continental United States. So we have a a website, and if anybody would like to be involved in that, you can contact me through the website. 
And we'll have a link to that website in the description for this episode. So that's our show. Thanks for listening. You can support the show at patreon.com slash wildgreenmemes. That's memes with an M. We've got some nice merch that comes in the mail every month. Lots of different silly meme-related designs. And you also get a shout-out at the end of the podcast. Until next time, I'm Rhett. I'm Curtis. I'm Io. And I'm Jennifer. And happy Year of the Raccoon.